0: You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Today on this first Sunday of Christmas, we are finishing out our series entitled Christ of the Carols. Since the beginning of Advent, we've been going through some new and old carols and uh, we've been looking at the message of Christ's first advent, the incarnation, the reason we celebrate Christmas. Today as we close out, we're gonna be looking at a carol that is uh, familiar to most, uh, especially if you were here with us in the service, we've already sung it, so I hope it's somewhat familiar to you, go tell it on the mountain. The main thrust of this carol comes from three particular passages of scripture, Luke 2, Isaiah 52, 7 through 12, which will be our primary text today, uh, and Romans 10. We've heard um, a little bit from Romans 10 this morning. uh, So our primary text, Isaiah 52, is found on page 613 in those black hardback Bibles. Uh, If you will, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 52. We're gonna be Isaiah 52, verse seven. We'll turn there now. Let's look at this book that we love. Isaiah chapter 52, beginning in verse seven. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness who publishes salvation who says to Zion your God reigns the voice of your watchmen they lift up their voice together they sing for joy for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion break forth together into singing you waste places of Jerusalem For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arms before the eyes of all the nations. And the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart. Depart and go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Incarnate Son of God, you have come to this world you created, and in your first advent you came with great humility, coming as your creation in the most vulnerable way possible. An innocent baby. You came from your throne, not into riches or power, but to be born in a manger. Your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection was all because of the great love that you have for your people. So Spirit of God, now come, Illuminate our hearts just as the angels illuminated the sky on the night the Christ child was born. Amen. Amen. Um, inside of your bulletins, you'll have a printout of the lyrics to Go Tell It on the Mountain. The, the text of this uh, beloved spiritual was first published in, uh, in the book Folk Songs of the American Negro in 1907. A study of African American folk music by John Wesley Work Jr. The song may date back earlier, uh, but, but those original texts could not be found. John Wesley Work Jr. is well known for his pioneering studies in African American folk music and for his leadership in the performance of spirituals. Uh, John Wesley Work uh, is a brilliant man. Um, he studied music at Fisk University in Nashville, and classics at Harvard, and then he taught Latin, Greek, and history at Fisk from 1898 to 1923. His son, John III, recalled that when he was a child, the students at Fisk University began singing this carol before daybreak on Christmas morning, going from building to building at the university, singing this song, If you can imagine a chorus of people singing Go Tell It on the Mountain as dawn breaks on Christmas morning. Later, his arrangement would be used in choral concerts uh, that would help eventually popularize this carol. Now, while these three stanzas tell the essence of, of the Christmas story, the refrain underscores the missionary impetus of the Christian church. Go and make disciples of all nations is the call from Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, from Jesus to his disciples. Go tell, which initially applied to the singer's caroling at the university campus for a signal for us to leave the comfortable confines of Christian worship and go and tell the message of Christ's redemption to the whole world. In the lyrics of Go Tell It on the Mountain, uh, as you read over them, uh, they go as follows. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, behold throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. The shepherds feared and trembled when high above the earth rang out the angels' chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. And lo, when they had heard it, they all bowed down and prayed. They traveled on together to where the babe was laid. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. It's hard to say those words without singing them. The, the, the song just kind of permeates the words. The message of this carol is simple. There is not much complexity or much theology compounded inside of the lyrics uh, compared to some other carols or even the ones that we've covered in this series. In four verses, it describes the experience of the shepherds on the night the Christ child was born. An experience uh, that comes directly from Luke chapter two. Outside of the line of verse three where they say, um, they bowed down and pray and prayed, I think that's maybe artistic license or maybe uh, you know, an, an imposed response. Uh, it is an accurate retelling uh, of Luke 2. Although simple in its content, the message of this carol is both challenging and helpful. This morning as we look at this carol, we'll be taking a closer look more particularly at the refrain. And the refrain is a response, which is why it's sung. After every verse, the refrain is the response to each verse. To go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. To go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ was born. This refrain echoes as a response to, as I said, each verse. And so uh, as something that is consistently repeated, it obviously uh, requires some more attention. So we will focus mostly this morning in on the refrain. Uh, when we hear and sing this Carol, uh, we can be challenged in two particular ways, and two, which, two ways that uh, I would like for us to explore this morning. Uh, we should be spurred on first to proclaim the message of the gospel. Should be spurred on to proclaim the message of the gospel. Secondly, we should be re- reminded to praise the God, praise God for the gospel. Both of which are responses to Christ's incarnation. So first, let's look at proclaim the message of the gospel. As the Carol says, "Go tell it on the mountain." This is an act of proclamation, to go and speak and to tell. In Isaiah chapter 52, in verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news. This verse brings about a picture, a picture of a messenger that is running from war, that is heading towards Zion and shouting and proclaiming the good news of a battle won, a victory for God's people. Go tell it on the mountain that God reigns, that God wins, that God has taken victory. This is what happens at the moment of the incarnation. God has taken the victory against sin and death, the fullness of which is realized at the resurrection of Christ at his atoning, after his atoning sacrifice on the cross, A battle that he would not lose, but his mere appearance at his incarnation is a victory won. Like the battle at Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings, when things looked at their worst, at dawn on the fifth day, over the eastern ridge comes Gandalf and a thousand riders from Rohan. And if you're not into that, you have plenty of time during this Christmas break to watch all of those movies to get that reference. You're welcome, please do that. (laughs) If you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Lord of the Rings. It's uh, it's only like nine or ten hours of your your life uh, well spent. But at the breaking of dawn, with the light and their presence came the breaking of hopelessness because of an impending victory. As John tells us in John 1, Jesus is the light. He is the light that comes into darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. This light has come into the world in the form of an innocent, helpless babe, the Christ child, and his presence is the presence of a victory won. One. So when the refrain says to go tell it on the mountain, may we be reminded that we have good news of a victory won. Each and every Christian carries with them the report of a personal experience that God has overcome the darkness and has brought light and life to their lives and to the world. This is the message we proclaim. It is this hope that we proclaim to a lost and dying world. As recipients of this rescue, we proclaim the good news. Isaiah 7 gives us three things um, to to publish or proclaim that we get to carry with us. This is not an all-inclusive list, but it is a number of things for us to be reminded as we proclaim the good news. We proclaim peace. Peace denotes an absence of hostility and conflict. The establishment of a period of unity, of cooperation, and a righteous, right relationship among mankind. There will finally, because of Christ's incarnation and coming, there will finally be peace. Peace between God and man. Peace towards the God who has been putting up with our rebellious activity since the garden. God goes the extra mile. He condescends. He comes down to us. He brings us peace even though we were rebellious towards Him. There will be peace also between each other. The Prince of Peace does not just bring peace between God and man. Although that, my friends, would be enough. That would be enough peace for us. No, he goes even further. He establishes peace between each other, between us and our enemies and our neighbors and friends and siblings and races and nations. The Prince of Peace, the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, brings peace because he is peace. He also brings uh, for us a proclamation of happiness, a time of goodness, which implies that negative experiences of evil, hatred, sickness, and death will not be present any longer. Instead, positive and helpful relationships will flourish For the benefit of all, I can honestly say that I struggle with this one. As someone who has preached on joy being greater than happiness and has sat under many sermons that have elevated joy over happiness, happiness is not a word I like to use a lot. It's also not my predisposition, all right? I'm I'm not the happy go lucky type, right? And so I struggle with the idea. Happiness. I would much rather hold on to joy knowing that, like, in I've got joy deep, deep, deep down in my heart. I've got the joy, joy, joy. It doesn't come out often, it's really deep. I'm a contemplative type. But this idea of happiness is what is brought with the good news that Jesus Christ is with us, that God has come down. We, of all people in the earth, should be happy. We should experience happiness. Something that I know, like, even this year, I want to challenge myself in to experience happiness and to be happy and filled with, like, an expressiveness of what God has done for me and in me and through me and for the nations. This happiness is, is brought because Jesus came to earth. And there's a lot going on. And as a good reformed guy, I can, I can sit under the weight of, of like the world being sinful and me being sinful. But Christ has come. That changes everything. And that should change everything about me. And so I hope you're challenged with that as well and you get to proclaim that with your life and how you live because God reigns and we need to be happy about that. We also get to proclaim salvation. Salvation indicates that God will deliver people from anything that might harm, oppress, or attempt to overpower them. This will be all possible because God himself will reign as king over his kingdom. And his kingdom has no end, it has no limit, it is forever and always and all over. This is the point usually that we want to emphasize, that God brings salvation, and this is a good emphasis. This is a right emphasis for us, but we need not to forget that he also brings peace and happiness, and he brings even more than that. But we have the opportunity to proclaim this good news. But the fact is that God does bring salvation. He brings the dead to life. He heals the sick. He causes the blind to see. He gives salvation to those who were once far off and rebellious, people like myself. This proclamation, these things alone if if just these three things if we looked at these three things this is enough for us to proclaim with expedient joy that God reigns that God has come we should be excited about this this is something that as we've even seen in Romans this morning that the the fact that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved this should bring us great joy as people who have received this, but also get to tell this. This is a great hope. This is a promise fulfilled. That God will call his people from every tribe and tongue and nation to himself. But let us also be reminded of the words of Romans 10 when Paul says, How then will they call upon him who they have not heard, who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless some are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And even in Paul's day, as the great missionary himself, he said, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. The gospel calls us to preach and proclaim the good news. It is not a part of the gospel that is specifically dedicated to certain individuals it is the gospel that we get to proclaim it is our right and good duty as christians to share this good news i don't think we really believe it until we share it we think that it may be good for us but it's not good enough for the whole world It's not good for your neighbor. Maybe it's not good news for a sibling that you're having conflict with. It's maybe not good for a wayward child. But let me tell you, friends, that this is the good news. And as people who believe the gospel, we must believe that God's word has the power to save those who are farthest off. And we were those who were farthest off. Friends, if we can be completely honest this morning, sometimes we think that we were really close and God just kicked us over the edge. But maybe it was some of our, our goodness. We were closer to the, to the line than others. We can see others and go, how, how would God save them? There's no way God would save them. We are them. We are far off. Thanks be to God that he saves his people. He calls us. For we were all rebels and sinners without the grace of God. So there is hope. If there is hope for me, there is hope for every single person, no matter where they come from, whatever tribe, tongue, and nation they come from. So this should be our confidence. Your salvation should be confidence that God can save anybody. I want you to believe this. The gospel calls us to believe this. And truly believe that God reigns. And he will call his people to himself. This is good news. The message that the angels brought to the shepherds. um, I I always found this to be a very intriguing uh, first people to hear about the birth of Christ. Talk about relatability and people who are far off. You're looking at a bunch of second or third shift blue collar workers who smelled a lot like their job. Right? Um, I've, worked in, I've worked in restaurants. Growing up, um, you, you, I worked in a pizza shop. You smell like your job when you leave. And pizza was the last thing I ever wanted to eat again for a number of years these guys, these shepherds smelled like sheep. They are around their sheep. And if you were wanting to make a big impact on the world, if you were wanting to get the news out quick, shepherds would not necessarily be the people on your short list of people to contact and, uh, and let them know about this incredible thing that has happened. First off, it's the middle of the night. They don't get to be around a lot of other people and when most people are awake, they're probably asleep. Yet God in his great wisdom and knowledge and goodness brought the message of Christ's birth to shepherds. The announcement of the incarnate Son of God was brought to these folks. This should be a great encouragement for us. It should be encouragement for most of us because one, we're we're not Jewish people and the gospel um, is first for the Jew and then the Greek. So we, like the shepherds being far off, we are recipients of the good news. Therefore, when we look into our world and we see people, we should see people who are far off and who are in need of the good news of God's salvation that is for them. Uh, The theologian and teacher Stephen Lawson said that the greatest joy in the world is to know God. And the second greatest joy is to make him known. Here we believe, uh, at Liberty we believe that mission is a means of grace, a means of God's grace. It's one of our nine rhythms of grace. Uh, It's a means to, to see God's grace enacted in our own lives regularly, and so I want to encourage each of you who call liberty your home, uh, or each of you who call Christ your savior, uh, to be thinking about the people in your lives that you can proclaim the gospel to, to share the good news with. We each have mountains that we climb every day. Our mountains may be our jobs, maybe our families, our homes, our neighborhoods, we have the opportunity to proclaim the message of the gospel in these places, and it's a good, good gospel. And so how else then do we respond to the incarnation? We respond with praise. We respond with praise. I think that it's no coincidence that uh, the Christmas season is marked by songs you think about Christmas, you start thinking about songs and carols and people singing, and uh, I was really grateful that we were doing a series on carols. I think there's so much deep and beautiful truth found in carols and deep theology found in carols. Uh, but Charles Spurgeon said that the first carol that was ever sung was the one that the angels sung in response to Christ's birth in Luke 2. The first Christmas carol was Glory to God in the highest. And we've been singing carols ever since. It would make sense then that the response to Christ's birth be met with singing. Since, really, if we can be honest, because of Scripture, people, angels have been singing around God from eternity past to eternity future. It makes sense that when Christ was born, angels were singing. The chorus that that is, is constantly refrained in the throne room of God is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it's repeated often and consistently from eternity past to eternity future. This is the song that is sung and this song is not sung. I don't know sometimes we can read that and go, oh, um, we can think that it's, it's more of like a Ben Stein refrain. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. It's not. I mean, this is, this, is, uh, this is stadium rock Queen We Are The Champions style singing that is happening inside the throne room of God. These angels are singing in chorus and in 12-part harmony. I don't know how many, how many you can have. You can have a lot. Probably more than 12. But the harmonies that are happening, the song that is being sung around the throne room of God is holy, holy, holy. This is the response then that we should have to Christ's birth. Isaiah 52 goes on to say, The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voices together and they sing for joy. And in verse 9, it says that God's people will break forth into singing. We sing in response to this news and to this proclamation that God has come, that Jesus has come as a child to save sinners. We sing in response to God's victory. God's coming and his incarnation. The breaking of chains, the healing of sick, the salvation won, and the eternal victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. The proclamation of this good news is that the victory has been won in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that should lead to praise from his people. We should not be able to help ourselves but to break into song Praise and singing is the confirmation of our hope and confidence in the message of the gospel. Let me say that again. Praise and singing is the confirmation of our hope and confidence in the message of the gospel. In a moment, uh, we will stand and we will sing He Who is Mighty. And Let me encourage all of you Here this morning, especially all of you who are in Christ, sing not in relation to how you are feeling today, but sing in response to the great God of the universe who has come down incarnate to you, his chosen people bridging the impossible chasm created by our sin. And in Christ he welcomes back all the wayward sons and daughters He sets the captives free. And to all of those he calls his beloved, he gives a new song. So we go, and we sing, and we tell and proclaim the message on the mountaintops because we believe that this is the only message that can save a fallen world. This is the only message worth living and dying for a message that last year cost over a 1,000 Christians their lives at the hands of a terrorist group called Boko Haram in Africa, 10 of which were killed on Christmas Day. Why would men lay down their lives for this message if this message was not the embodiment of hope, love, joy, and peace? We ask and we pray that the message of Christ not fall on deaf ears or hard hearts. But let the message of Christ, as it is proclaimed, cause you to praise, cause you to proclaim. Let our response to this message flow out of the hearts, of, out of our hearts and through our mouths to the very ears of God himself. And let us proclaim this message. And bring him the praise he is due, because he has done a great thing. He has come in the person of Jesus Christ to save his people. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.